Tamaria. Welcome to First Up. It's Rapa. It's June, the first day of it here, Wednesday. Coming up, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has just met the US President Joe Biden in the Oval Office. We're going to hear the PM's comments to media shortly. We also cross to Anna Burns Francis, who was on the scene at the White House. Sir John Kerwin tells us about his mental health fundraising road trip. It's a goodie. And golfer Steve Elker has won his first PGA Championship at the tender age of 50. There's hope for us all. Obviously, at times I have, you know, won tournaments and, and been confident for a stretch. But this is probably the best I've probably played and certainly the best results I've had for a long time. Atamariya, welcome to First Up. It's a hive of industry around at the moment in Washington, D.C. The Prime Minister, uh, Jacinda Ardern, has just met with the President Joe Biden, also Vice President Kamala Harris, at the White House. Uh, we will take you there as soon as we can, actually, uh, so you can hear that the Prime Minister just uh, addressing the media at the moment. So we'll begin across the Tasman, uh, where Foreign Minister Penny Wong appears to have saved the day, and a uber-conservative Peter Dutton uh, steps up to lead the Liberal Party. Joining me now from Brisbane is our correspondent, Pam Corkery. Morena, Pam. Morena, and interesting, across, just an aside, but across all the major bulletins last night was Jacinda Ardern's meeting with Joe Biden. I mean, there was a time when they never mentioned New Zealand, but it was a big deal. Oh. Anyhow, yeah, yes. yeah, like so, surprising. You know what they're like. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> A bit, a bit now, different than the ones here. Hey, tell me this. Um, so, uh, so Penny Wong has has come back there. China are leaving the Pacific without the security and, and trade agreement. Yes. Now, then it's not leaving the Pacific. It I, with the Chinese, it is being um, called by experts in this area as just they had to make a polite backward step. But we're looking at years of this um, effort by the Chinese to get a foothold in the Pacific, you know, they will just keep coming back. But indeed, uh, Penny Wong, I keep wanting to say Pansy, Penny Wong has done a stunning job, but they haven't oversold it like the Mm. game is over. They're just being very careful. In fact, she's really only given small interviews. So, the um, you know, while they've done the best, this is the best part so far in that she talked to the um, Fijian Prime Minister and he dealt with others. But this Four who have already signed into the Chinese pact. But it's been important, Penny um, Wong's um, effort on it's sort of three grounds. It's reassured Pacific neighbours that the Labour government cares about them, you know, not just mm. lip service that we've had. Um, and the other part is it, it, she has asserted her own authority over the foreign policy straight away. And, um, you know, this year marks the 50th anniversary of diplomatic relations between Canberra and Beijing, and they're just going to keep chipping at it, chipping at it. But, you know, China really does want that area there because it's a major pathway for trade between Australia and the States, and that that would help them if they could block that area if there was to be an attack on Taiwan. Listen to all of that world bloody (laughs) negotiating (laughs) at this time in the morning, eh? Covered. <laughs> okay, and also there, uh, Labour, who are the um, what well, they've gone and secured the a working majority for Parliament. Thank goodness. And um, the last number came in last night, so it's seventy-seven, and that up against what? Let me see, fifty. 
56 for mm. the Liberals and four for the Greens, and I think 10 for the Independents, they've got a good swing. They, they can, you know, really run the show. Yeah, and try and get some policies through. It'll be interesting. However, across the room now, they're going to have to argue with a fellow by the name of Peter Dutton. He's the the leadership for the Liberal Party. Tell, tell me um, about him and, and what's his first move been as the leader? Well, I think we should call him Peterkins, really, because the first move has been rebranding himself as a nice guy. He's not the tough, heartless guy we have thought he is. You know, tell that to the 501s who lived in Australia most of their lives before yeah. being deported. He said, I've made some poor taste jokes like any person over the years. I apologise for that. I'm as human and as frail as anybody else. I'm bald because of a skin disease. You know, so there's a sympathy vote. Not by choice. In short, he's a really fun guy. Right, okay. And, and Chris he, Rock better not make any jokes about his hair. That's what we need to know. Exactly, and yeah. the comparisons with Voldemort, which really got up his nose. However, Pam, none of this matters because Aussie blokes have been fighting marsupials. Uh, who's in the red corner? Who's in the blue corner? Why were they fighting? Well, I don't know. I think it was over a woman. Or <laughs> it's more... <laughs> league, the wrong league jersey. <laughs> No, but there's been shocking vision of a man being attacked yesterday by a kangaroo for more than six minutes. That was down in Victoria. Six foot tall, the thing was. He was just in his backyard. Um, And and they had a a long biff. The guy had a stick and he was sort of trying his best. But, I mean, you get kicked by a kangaroo, you can be killed. The thing is, that's the third this month. Two of them down here at a golf course in Queensland, which has always advertised on you'll get to see lots of kangaroos. Too right, you will. They've been coming up to the carts <laughs> and kicking, kicking the bejesus and hospitalising people oh, no. um, out of them. And it's just that they're socialised now. Humans aren't a threat. I mean, there was a time when you would they would sort of run if you were in a car or something like that. And so you always have to be careful doing that at night when you're driving in a kangaroo area because if they jump through the middle of the screen while you're dead, ski. But I don't know what they're going to do to, like, this golf course has had to close down for a couple of weeks because people are going, we've paid our subs, what are you going to do about the... um, Kangaroo. Now I'm getting kicked by a giant mus- muscly foot. There we go. Hey, uh, thank you very much, Pam. Pam Corker there with the news out of Australia. We go to the United States now. It is 11 past five here at First Up with me, Nathan Rarere. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has just addressed media at the White House after meeting the President, Joe Biden, and also the Vice President. She told Waiting Media she was greatly heartened by their conversation. Prime Minister, how would you describe the Look, I see that uh, meeting with President Biden is a reflection of between New Zealand and the United States. Uh, Warm, friendly, shared values and shared challenges. Uh, The meeting length is probably a reflection of the issues we wanted to traverse together. But I'm greatly heartened by the nature of the conversation we had today. And did you you get a commitment from President Biden to be more present in the Pacific? Look, you know, actually, I think you'll see that the United States themselves have been very proactive in speaking about their intention to be in the Pacific on the Pacific's terms. And that means hearing those, uh, the strategic focus that many Pacific Island leaders have, where they see their challenges, where they wish to partner. Uh, And that's something that has shone through um, in the way the United States has been talking about partnering in the Pacific. And I saw that again reflected today. Did you 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 you
spoken about so as an ally to There's no need. I think what's already established is uh, the close working relationship that New Zealand and the United States have, that we have shared values, and really importantly, that the focus in our region is on furthering the Pacific values and the focus that Pacific Island leaders have determined for themselves. And that, I think, is, is really where New Zealand and the United States are in strong alignment in that regard. Let's the Pacific determine their future and work in partnership. There'll be plenty of time, guys. Was China mentioned specifically in, in the discussions? And oh, look, given that we are in an environment where our region is increasingly contested, uh, where we have seen challenges in our region, uh, then you would expect um, that that would fall under a topic of conversation. But, you know, our engagement in our region has to be on our terms, respectively, and not be in response to the engagement of anyone else. So what was the if it's going to be consistent. What was the nature of that conversation? You know, of course, we're, we're politicians on the environment that we're in, some of the recent um, things that we've observed. But most importantly, uh, it comes down to our individual nation's choices and how we respond to that. Uh, as you well know, from New Zealand's perspective, our view is that our relationship cannot be determined by the actions of others. We have to be consistent, we have to be values-based, we have to engage in New Zealand's terms. I'm trying to clear, and then I'll give you any indication on whether or not we had a, a, a good conversation about the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. I heard in my opening remarks uh, that the CPTPP continues to be a significant focus for New Zealand. We also understand the domestic realities, but look, the United States has come forward with the IPEF, with the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. We as a nation are very focused on making sure that we see tangible deliverables from that opportunity which has been presented, and we're going to take that. I'll let you follow up, Claire. No. You will continue to see advocate at every stage, and you will have seen me do that through this trip, through my engagement uh, with representatives here in Capitol Hill, continuing to advocate for ultimately the CPTPB as being a way to add greater effects in our region. And uh, you will hear more from the Prime Minister's press conference throughout the day. stuff at RNZ though. You're listening to First Up on RNZ National with me, Nathan Raruri. We go to the Middle East now where Turkey is still the immovable object in the way of Sweden and Finland. Joining NATO, joining me now from Doha is Alex Baird. Morena Alex. Morena Nathan. Hey before we get to Turkey can you tell me Israel, um, tell me about this free trade agreement with the with the UAE? Yes yeah, so I found this quite an interesting one. Now as we've been hearing Israel has been normalising ties with another number of Arab countries. In 2020, there was a bunch of accords called the Abraham Accords, which normalised relations between Israel and the UAE, Bahrain, Morocco and Sudan. Um, and basically now UAE has taken it a step further and actually signed, signed a free trade deal with Israel. Now, this came at a really interesting time because it's a time when relations between Israel and Palestinians are really fraught. And they've been incredibly tense. And actually, um, it was quite interesting because, as we'll talk about soon, there was a really tense moment in Jerusalem the other day during the uh, National Flag Day. 
Um, and in the lead up to that, the UAE were, were, was speaking out about violence that had been happening in, in Jerusalem. And suddenly this deal is being signed and it said to all reporters, hey, you can't come to the signing anymore. So it's interesting because places like UAE are having to walk a thin line. They're having to walk a thin line of saying, hey, we, we support the plight of Palestinians and that sort of thing. But also they're, they're on the other side being like, well, with Israel, we have to normalize ties. We, we have to have business agreements. We have to do business as usual. So an interesting tight spot for the UAE to be in. Yeah, well done, the UAE Business Council, getting that one through. Let's let's yeah. go to this, um, this, this joining of NATO for Sweden and Finland. Uh, Turkey still demanding that those two amend their laws to, to join NATO. So do you think that's likely to happen? Yeah, so obviously Sweden and Finland really wanted to get into NATO considering what's happening in Ukraine. Um, Turkey has used this as an opportunity to basically get some of its own agenda on the table and get places like Sweden and Finland to change their laws. They've said, hey, if you change your laws, if you stop what they say uh, supporting, they, they, they are called, Turkey calls Kurdish groups in that part of the world, um, some of these Kurdish militant groups, calls them terrorist groups. And they say, well, Sweden and Finland are supporting them. Sweden and Finland, Finland are allowing them to do protests. They're allowing them to operate in Sweden and Finland. And Turkey's saying, well, you should change the law, change the law around what you, you define as a terrorist, and you should make them terrorists too in terms of your legislation. So Turkey's seen a little bit of wiggle room here to use their NATO membership to push some of their some of its own agenda. And if Sweden and Finland are very serious about wanting to join NATO, which I'm sure they are, I wouldn't be surprised if you do see some kind of push here to make small changes to satisfy Turkey. So it'll be interesting to see what way this goes. Yeah. Hey, um, you were talking before about a, a free trade agreement there. Let's go uh, find out about this massive Israeli nationalist flag march through old Jerusalem. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, so this happened the other day. Basically, it was today to, that Israel celebrates to commemorate their taking of Jerusalem in 1967. Now, Jerusalem is split uh, between east and west, one side is supposed to be for Palestinians, one side is supposed to be um, part of Israel, and we call it Occupied East Jerusalem because since 1967, Israel has occupied also the side of Jerusalem, which was supposed to be for Palestine. And basically, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of tension in in the region recently, and Jerusalem often is the the flare point. And basically, there was a flag day called to commemorate this, and tens of thousands of ultra-hard-right nationalist Israelis went through the occupied East Jerusalem, waving flags, chanting things like death to Arabs. Um, and there's quite a bit of footage actually coming out of Palestinians, a few Palestinians being beaten. There was, there was a really awful one, actually, of an Israeli man spraying a Palestinian woman in the face with, with um, pepper spray for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Um, a number of countries in the region, a number of those who support Palestinian rights have been going, calling out against this. The Palestinian Authority has said, you know, this is one step too far. You've allowed, and this is all allowed by the military, this is allowed by Israeli police. Um, they've said, you know, you've allowed all these ultra-hard right nationalists to come onto the side of Jerusalem, which is supposed to be ours, and then you attack us and chant death to Arabs in a part of Jerusalem, which is supposed to be for Arabs. So... Again, tension's really high here, and it makes things like the signing of that deal with the UAE pretty interesting when you consider the timing. 
Yeah, you're right. Pepper sprayed in the face just pretty much for existing. That's probably probably the yeah. only justification that they gave. Uh, out of Doha, that is Alex Beard. Alex, thank you very much for your time again this week. Uh, it is 20 past five. I'm Nathan Rarere and you are listening to First Up here on RNZ National. Coming up, the Prime Minister is uh, has been at the White House. We will cross to get a report on that. Also, you're going to hear some good uh, sporting news. Kiwi golfer Steve Elka, who's won his first PGA tournament at the age of 50. We're all tightening our belts as the cost of living rises and many of us are looking to the second-hand market to make those savings. First Up, producer Jeremy Parkinson talked with Trade Me's Millie Sylvester about new figures that show just how popular popular the search for used goods has become. We've kind of found that Kiwis are saving their money in a number of ways and they're getting pretty resourceful about making their money go that little bit further. Now, a growing number of Kiwis seem to be finding their green fingers because they're growing their own food. And we're seeing sales for things like lemon trees and all sorts of plants and fruit trees really trending on site at the moment. So we've seen like a 3% increase in searches. But if we dig a little bit deeper, sales for lemon trees, for example, were up 22%, fruit trees up 20% year on year. So there's definitely a trend and sort of Kiwis looking at ways that they can grow their own food so they don't have to face those really tough prices at the supermarket. Yeah, it's about being clever, isn't it? you just got to be a little bit clever in times like this. Absolutely. And the other way that Kiwis have been a little bit clever is, you know, they're looking for hobbies that might, one, keep them entertained over their weekends or when they've got some time off, but two, potentially even put some dinner, you know, on the table. So fishing is absolutely booming at the moment. We've seen a 17% increase in sales and about 14,000 searches for fishing on site sort of in the last four weeks. So Kiwi's definitely kind of looking to, you know, it's sort of like a win-win in that situation. And then other things like buying secondhand golf clubs or um, snow sports is really trending on site at the moment. So Kiwis are finding ways to still do all of the things that they love to do, but just, you know, just save a little bit more or, or, or stretch that money that little bit further. Now, houseplants were a big thing last year, but it's kind of outside gardening by the looks of things, which is, um, you know, going off on Trade Me at the moment. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, houseplants, you can you can find some houseplants that are pretty, pretty hard to kill, you know, and, and you're going to have some good luck. It's like Kiwis have kind of built up their confidence in the gardening department, and now they're kind of taking those skills outside where, you know, obviously you've got a few more elements and things are a little bit harder to control. So, you know, all sorts of different searches for flaxes and grasses and that kind of thing. And, you know, you know, Kiwis are making their, their outside gardens just look, you know, absolutely beautiful at the moment. So some really interesting trends and, you know, it, it does all come down, I think, to the cost of living. And, and one way you can kind of look cool and save money is by buying used or retro clothes and you can be the coolest dressed person on the street and haven't spent a whole bunch. Absolutely. And retro and vintage clothing has been trending on Trade Me for a few months now, but recently it's it's really really picked up and i mean there's i think there's a couple of reasons right like it's a really sustainable way to shop but also it's really economical too and you know you're not going to be walking down the street and see someone with the same t-shirt as you or i mean you might but the chances are pretty slim so 
When we look at searches for vintage and retro clothing, they were up 152% on the same time last year. So we're also seeing a lot of people looking for, obviously, winter balls and kind of formals and stuff are coming up. Lots of searches for secondhand formal dresses, for example. So really cool to see that Kiwis are looking at such a sustainable way to dress and and, and find something really unique. Uh, To our auctions now, this week's first auction is one raising money for Pet Refuge. It's a -a one-of-a-kind designer pet outfit from fashion designer Matthew Adams Dolan. But the current bid on this is for $1,000. Tell us all your bit about this one. This is such a cool auction. So these are high-vis jackets for your pet. Now, these are one-of-a-kind couture. As you mentioned, they've been designed by Matthew Adams Dolan, who usually works with the likes of Rihanna or Lady Gaga. So your pet will be in very, very good hands. And this this whole idea was inspired by his beloved Lake Land Terrier, Maisie. So Matthew teamed up with Pet Refuge and Southern Cross Pet Insurance, and they are auctioning off these really bespoke, high-fashion, high-vis outfits for one very, very lucky fur baby. And, you know, if, if like me, you've got a dog, you know that, you know, on those kind of dark nights or maybe early in the morning, if you're out walking your pet, you know, it, it's a really good idea for them. You know, it makes sense for them to be in high-vis so that they can be seen and, and more visible to drivers on the road. That was Millie Sylvester from Trade Me. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Get your dogs off the road. Uh, this is the day of our life we like to call June the 1st. Or as people in Australia, India and New Zealand call it, World Milk Day. We voted for World Milk Day, uh, but it was called World Milk Day, and it is that day today. I just, I know, I discovered that it was on the internet. So, happy milk, everybody! Oh, what are you? Are you blue? Are you green? Are you light? Which which one are you? A light blue? Uh, by the way, if if you tr- don't almonds, it's not milk. Okay, that's nut juice. That is. That is not milk. Um, Birthdays on this day. uh, Mormon leader Brigham Young was born on this day in 1801. He founded Salt Lake City, was the first governor of Utah. When he died in 1877, he left behind 17 widows. Uh, It was also the birthday of the inventor of the jet engine. How good's that? Uh, Sir Frank Whittle, uh, English aviation pilot. And of course, uh, there is the inventor of the very loud thing. What's that, Frank? It'll make us go fast, is what he said. Marilyn Monroe, born on this day in 1926, course, uh, Norma Jean Mortensen-Baker, and a host of birthdays today of celebrities. Pick your favourite out of these. Tom Holland is 26. How is he only 26? He's a Spider-Man actor. He's 26. Uh, Justine Ennin, who was 40 years old and the tennis player. I got to go in my former world as a sports reporter uh, to one of the big uh, tennis tournaments of the world. And we sat next to the commentator and she pointed out, said, see in the stands, see all the players there that are watching Justine play? And I said, yeah. And she went, because she plays the most beautiful tennis. Every player uses their pass. We saw Federer in the stands watching. We saw Capriati. There were so many of them just sitting around just watching because they all admire her. She's 40. Amy Schumer is 41. Alanis Morissette's 48. Heidi Klum is 49. Love you, Heidi. Uh, Ron Wood is 75 from the Rolling Stones. He's looked 75 since the year 2002. And Morgan Freeman is 85. And also on this day, uh, it was about time to cycling, banned performance-enhancing drugs in 1965, and that is why it's the cleanest sport in the world. And that's what happened on this day, your 1st of June. What you're trying to say, you're trying to say, let's get down to business, it's business time. It's business, it's business.
Joining us now from the business team is Mr. Giles Beckford. Kia ora, Giles. How are you? Talofa lava. I'm oh, yes, well, it's Hamon Language Week. You're right. Indeed. Indeed. Punch me in my face. Talofa lava, everybody. Take that. Yeah, bunch me. Okay, uh, tell me about this. Uh, we've got Kiwi Saver going on. Uh, I'm just going. This is a public service announcement, really, and this is what we're here for, right. partly, which is that you need to remember that if you want to get that government uh, top up, uh, that is worth what five hundred and twenty-one dollars. Yeah. Uh, then you need to make sure that you've contributed at least a thousand and forty-two dollars in the past year. Um, and it could be, I mean, it's been estimated that for one bank alone, the customers could miss out on $80 million worth Oof. of, uh, you know, government uh, support. So it it makes sense if you've got it. You may have only done $700 so far this year. See if you can rattle around the back of the sofa, find another $400 to go in there just to get that uh, government top up. Uh, remembering KiwiSaver returns and statements will be coming in about now. If you haven't got them already, um, some of them won't be pretty reading given all the eruptions we've had on financial markets in the past six months in particular. So uh, I think the, one of the interesting figures to look at will be the projection, remembering that the statements now have a projection as to how much you will have saved by the time you are 65. Yeah. Uh, and that might give you a little bit of a spur to uh, perhaps rethink your Kiwi Saver if you're in one of the Conservative funds, or to up your uh, contributions if you can. So, 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 Giles, the magic number that you need to have had in there is a thousand and forty-two. Is that thousand and forty-two and eighty-six cents actually to be and eighty-six quite, quite precise. Well, no, so, well, you want to know. You don't so, want to get so let's done call it on thousand forty-three. Okay, a thousand forty-three, and you get five hundred twenty-one dollars uh, from the government on top of that. <laughs> it's like me tipping in a taxi when I'm twenty-four. You know how much is that? It's uh, twenty-four ninety-five. Here's twenty-five bucks, mate. Keep That's change. Right. Cheers, right. cheers. Thanks, driver. <laughs> so get and you, want, you wonder why he runs over your foot as he leaves. Oh dear. Hey, what are the takeover? We love a yep. rumor. The it, world loves a rumor. What's the, a takeover one? Come on. Well, we've got uh, got a couple oh, uh, circulating okay. at the moment. One of them is that Sky TV uh, is uh, inviting, is going to allow a couple of private equity funds, these are just big investment funds, mm. uh, to go around, kick the tyres. It's been looking at uh, its strategy in the past few months, thinking where was it going to go, uh, what does it want to do you know, with streaming and sports rights and all the rest of it. It's a company that's sort of been slowly trying to rebuild itself, although it is a wee bit of... Um, old technology as we as we now think of it but uh, clearly there's money to be made from it so um you know potential investors there interestingly the company which uh, last year said oh yeah some people have been sniffing around knocking on the door uh but um you know, we we're thinking up through, you know we're thinking our future plans uh, last week put out a statement saying well we're not thinking about plans anymore so uh, and we're not going to tell you what we're thinking anyway so oh. that, that, that's nothing Convita is a honey company uh Monica honey very uh, well known uh it's a big exporter talk is that a couple of uh, one of its biggest uh, chinese shareholders is uh taking a closer look with the possibility of mounting an offer although the company says it knows nothing uh, so those are a few at the moment you know as always what happens is that the local exchange loses these companies if they go private and that's a bit of a shame because uh, we're getting again we're starting to look a little bit short on good local 
corporate talent to invest in, uh, mm. which will only drive us into the hands of the overseas moneylenders as usual. Ah, thank you very much, Charles Beckford. Now, my friends at Sky, their angst that they've been talking about the last few months starts to make sense. Thank you very much, sir. You can hear more from the business team on Morning Report this morning at 10 to 7. Let's have a look at your midweek money market now for your New Zealand's dollar. It will buy you the following. 65.19 US cents, 91.22 Australian cents, 60.77 Euro cents, 51.67 British pence, 4.35 yuan, 83.76 Japanese uh, uh, yen. And for those of you lucky to be travelling internationally at the moment, a 360 gram bar of Toblerone will cost you £6.50 at Heathrow Airport or £16.99. Oh, sorry, sorry, pounds. $16.99. I'm still uh, discussed there by the pounds. $16.99 at Melbourne Airport uh, and $16.50 from the duty free at Auckland International Airport. Prices for Toblerone outstripped in Australia and New Zealand. That's what the headlines will read today. Um, New Zealand golfer Steve Elker won the Senior PGA Championship over the weekend in Michigan to become the first New Zealander to win a Senior Major Championship. Uh, Before his dream run on the over-50 circuit, Elka had carved out a solid, if not spectacular, career around the globe, but never breaking through on the lucrative PGA Tour. Since qualifying to play in the Champions Tour, the 50-year-old Hamiltonian has amassed, how's this, over $3 million in prize money, with four wins and 16 top 10 finishes from 19 events. Reporter Leonard Powell caught up with Elka, who now bases himself in Arizona, and began by asking him whether he has ever had this much confidence in his game. You know, if I look back, you know, obviously at times I have, you know, won tournaments and, and been conf- confident for a stretch and been consistent. But I think consistently good for this amount of time, I, I don't think so. And this is probably the the best I've probably played and, and felt about my game and certainly the best results I've had for a long time. So, yeah, I, I think that's what I'm most proud of, like, my scoring and my consistency I've had for, for this stretch of like nine, ten months golf has been pretty cool. You know, when I was younger, I kind of felt like I had to practice. I felt like I had to get better and work hard or hit more balls, you know. But now I've, at this point in my career, I've, I'm probably working smarter, you know, practicing smarter. And, and obviously getting older kind of does that too. You know, you, do, you know, your body doesn't quite you know, have that, that work ethic in it, but it's still there. I still want to work hard at it, but I just kind of do it differently. I was just thinking, Steve, I think the listeners would be happy to hear, even though you've spent so much time in America, you still you still sound like someone just straight off the street of Hamilton, um, where you're from. So you've kept a, <laughs> you haven't got that American That's twang. You've, you've done well. Um, I think a lot's been made about the prize money you've been earning on the Champions Tour, eclipsing your career earnings sort of on the PGA and other tours you've played on. Is earning this amount of money, has it changed you in any way, Steve, or is there any new perks you've managed to have along the way? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. But now, right now, you know, it's all happened so quickly and, you know, I certainly haven't splurged on any Lamborghinis or anything like that, you know what I mean? But I, I think I'm just out here enjoying my golf and, and just trying to win golf tournaments. That's kind of more important. I mean, the money's great and, and obviously the security there and, you know, I've got a couple of teenagers and got to put them through college and stuff. So there's that kind of peace of mind financially. But for me right now, it's just, it's all about the golf and just being amongst the company that I'm in and and enjoying that there's no better feeling than winning that's what i'm trying to achieve now just give myself the opportunities to win as many tournaments as i can so that's that's the coolest thing 
How's the support been from back in New Zealand? And have you got plans on, I know you haven't been able to get back here through COVID, but with things opening up, do you think you're planning on going to come back and play in the New Zealand Open? in the future yeah yeah well one one i mean the, the support's been amazing just you know just from family and friends and just the the media you guys have been uh just amazing getting it out there and, and, and making people more aware of the champions tour and obviously bob charles was the last guy uh who played out here so in, in terms of getting down there and i'd, I'd just like to get to back get back to the New Zealand Open in, in 2023. I know the, the guys have had a tough time getting events going down there, but, yeah, I, I want to be there for 2023 and have another shot. You know, I'm, I'm 50, I'm only 51 next year. Not many chances left, to be honest. So, yeah, I'd love to play a couple more and, and have a crack. Well, Phil Mickelson won the, the PGA Championship as a 50-year-old last year, so there's no reason there's no reason you can't get that done, Steve. Yeah, well, hey, that's something to look forward to. That's a bonus of, of winning last week. So that's going to be pretty neat. Oak Hill uh, Country Club is a heck of a golf course. So that's certainly a, 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 on, the, on the schedule. I'm looking forward to it, mate. It'd be great. Yeah, that was Leonard Powell chatting to Steve Elka, a hero uh, for those 50-year-olds out there. Let's go Team 50. Uh, Dear Velvet and heating pad commercials on the way for him, I'll tell you that. Uh, we are heading towards 6 o'clock. It gets here in 20 minutes. I'm Nathan Rarity. You're with First Up here on RNZ National. So between now and 6 o'clock, we are going to cross to our correspondent, Anna Burns-Francis, who is at the White House. That's off the back of Jacinda Ardern's meeting she's just had uh, with the President and Vice President of the United States. And also John Kerwin telling us about a pretty epic road trip that he's going on in the name of mental health. <laughs> Music got a couple of votes yesterday for the best thing in Britain. Uh, however, we're going to talk now about the best thing in radio. Morning Report. Up next, uh, the professionals of the RNZ unit. It's Corin Dan, who's with us right now. Kia ora, Corin. Atamarie, kia ora. Good morning, everybody. Uh, the show this morning will have a heavy focus on uh, the Prime Minister's uh, visit with Joe Biden. The mm. President of the United States. Uh, we'll have Jane Patterson, our political editor, who was there, of course, uh, for her analysis, plus the uh, all the, uh, I guess, uh, what we call them, grabs, the stand-up from the... Love uh, a grab. Love a grab, yeah. Love a I grab mean, where you can't quite hear the journalists <laughs> asking their questions exactly. properly. Exactly. That's yeah. the one I just listened to it, in the fact. Audience, love, um, it. love it. And I can tell you, there's probably, you wouldn't say there was any clear sort of tangible wins from the meeting, but it was obviously a very friendly meeting and one in which uh, the relationship will have been enhanced, no doubt. So we'll have full reaction uh, to that. Also looking at the issue of fair pay agreements this morning, uh, Business New Zealand and the government very much at loggerheads over this. It is going to the International Labour Organisation for a hearing fair pay agreements uh, the Business New Zealand argues that they are some in some way breach of international labour organisation rules pa- paying fairly yes this okay. is, uh, this is uh, uh, apparently mm. uh, anyway we'll have both sides of this debate uh, on the programme this morning as well so it's quite a crunchy show this morning you'd say you have. Thank yeah. you very much, Mr. Corin Dan, uh, of course, who's here with us after six. Well, Sir John Kerwin is about to embark on a journey across New Zealand in a four by four in order to raise funds and awareness about an issue very close to his heart that he's been talking about for a while, which is mental health. So the All Black Great will travel over 2,000 kilometres across the country and it's going to be holding a series of community events with the goal of raising money for the charitable initiative called Mighty. And I asked Sir John just what's in store. Well, we're going right through the country, which is really cool. So we're having sort of um, eight stops. But the main thing 
for me is actually, you know, you'd agree with me, mate. We need to turn our mental health stats around. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got one of the worst stats in the OCD. So what we wanted to do with Mighty is, you know, lead some change. So Mighty is a, a curriculum-based school program. So what happened, Nato, was I about five years ago, I woke up and felt like I'd failed because I've been the face of this for so long but our suicide rates were going the wrong way. So I did two things. I created a business for mental health in, in the workplace, which is called Groove. The other thing I wanted to do is create a foundation. Um, so for a year, I facilitated about how can we look at this differently and what we need to do. And basically, three things came up. Uh, this needs to be, you know, we don't need to put any pressure on the schools from a financial or human resource point of view. Mm. So we need to make sure that we put a, and also a curriculum based program into the schools. And the last thing which you'll understand is it needs to be co-designed. You know, what might work out in Henderson or what might work out in Mangere or what might work out in Invercargill or Rimuera, whatever, we need to co-design those. So Mighty's approach is to support the teachers rather than add to their workload and implement this new curriculum based approach to mental health. So what I want to do with the drive mate is just really it's not prejudice, man. Like, it's not prejudice. So it's written for black, white, coloured, fat, skinny, man. Mental health is not prejudice. It's for all of us. So, you know, I just want to raise the awareness and then raise a million bucks so that we can continue to grow. Because what we do is we supply the coach in the schools, NATO. Yeah, we yeah. put the coach in the school. They help the teachers implement the curriculum and then, Yeah. I was, I was going to say, man. You know, you, when you said you woke up and you felt like you failed, and and, and I thought, no, you you haven't though. And I'll tell you what, I, I heard a um, there was a podcast I was listening to the other night, the Between Two Bears ones, and they brought you up, and one of them was talking about oh, saying to one of the guests, oh, it's great that you're talking about mental health, and he went, what are you talking about? JK's been doing this for two decades. This is the guy that pushed this in, and it's true, man, because like you know now there's so many of these that are around, and it takes someone like you. To, to be the you know the coiled springs like Gallipoli up over the side to, to, to get in there and do this right so I, I think I think yeah but no 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 the like like thank you but but the thing is failure I used to be scared of failure mate failure used I used to run away from it or I was so scared of it it made me achieve but failure is not something that scares me anymore I didn't I didn't wake up and go oh failure I, I woke up and, and said we're failing. So what do I need to do differently, right? So failure has been right through my whole life, my biggest teacher, mm. all right? And I used to run away from it. And now when it happens, I embrace it and go, well, what can we do differently? Yeah. And that was, the, that was the point of difference. I said, okay, and let's, let's say we've got the awareness now, NATO, you know? We've got the awareness. Okay, well done, JK. You know, so if I want to pat do. myself on yeah. yeah, so how and, – and there's one thing I decided that day. I want to give hope – continually and a lot of the stuff we talk about in mental health is ambulance at the bottom of the cliff right mm -hmm. and we need all the resources to go to ambulance in the bottom of the cliff you know my great mate mike king does an amazing job raising money to help people to get get help so i'm thinking what can we do differently how can we stay in that prevention space how can we teach our youngsters our tamariki the tools and knowledge to help them understand their own mental health firstly and be better equipped yeah. to handle life's ups and downs. I mean, the world has accelerated past a lot of the learnings that we need, right? Like I said the other day, Nate, and you get this because you're as bloody as old as me, mate. Like when we didn't get invited to a, a, to a party, 
We didn't even know till the Monday. Yeah, yeah right, right yeah. Oh, was there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, was there? Oh, shit. He was even around at Dwayne's again. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but we were just, we just didn't worry about it. We didn't have the TikTok photos of all our mates at the, the right. party. Yeah. You know, success for you and I when we left school, well, mine was a Murray Thousand band, <laughs> and I lent the money off my old man. I had to pay him back. Yeah. Nowadays, success is, you know, everyone's beautiful. Everyone's got a flash car. Everyone's successful, whereas that's not the reality. So we need to give our tamariki these skills, mate, these mental health skills. I, t- I talk about the IQ and the EQ. You know, you need to understand yourself. You need to understand your mental health. And then you need to have the tools to deal with it. That, that's why I, I, I like that, Mighty, what you said there is it's, it's like a tailored solution for the schools to work with because I know that, you know, you know I'm involved with schools and what have you, and, and, and they, they do do that now, like they're starting to do that. So that's great that it's not just a, this is a tick box program, here it is, look, I did a tick box. You can tell this is tailored because I like that it can be uh, suited differently, like you say, to different school bodies because the personalities of different schools and the families and, you know, some schools you've got huge buy from parents, other one you haven't quite haven't got those. So I liked the the fact of this. There's quite a program to put together. How do you how do you get that put together? Who do you call on? Well, interesting. I just started, so it took me a year to facilitate it. So I raised 250 grand to start with. Yeah. Um, the Joyce Fisher Trust Foundation gave me 250 seed money, and I just facilitated for a year with child psychiatrists, psychologists. Um, school teachers, headmasters, marketing managers, yeah. uh, musicians, you know, all sorts of different walk of life. And we asked them this, this problem. Then we looked around the world what was out there, right? And then after that end of the year, I had uh, Bolton Equities come on and they gave, uh, underwrote 1.2 million. We then, Zurich came on board. And then we, what we did is we commissioned the, the University of Auckland to build a curriculum-based program and they did an amazing job because what we said is it's got to be part of the curriculum we've got to teach it like english maths and science and the teachers need to be able to integrate it right through their day so they can do the lessons as they see fit so that's what happened and and they started looking at some of the models that they're out there we based ours on what what they call the mana model which is a maori based model that the University of Auckland had already started to do some study and we just invested in developing that out more, breaking it, changing it. Then we put it into the schools for the first year. We had uh, one teacher to start with Mm. and then we've just grown it. But I've been keeping pretty low profile, Mato, because I wanted to make sure that it was working. I wanted to make sure that we could do it the way that we wanted to do it. So currently we've got seven teachers. We're um, in 70 schools. We're working with 12,000 kids. Great. And our goal is to do 1,200 schools right throughout the country because that's the number of primary schools. And I think if we do that, it'll take a generation to turn our stats around, but we will have the best stats in the world within the next 10 years. So John Kerwin, uh, for more info, you just go and visit themightydrive.org. It's M-I-T-E-Y, or you text M-I-T-E-Y to 2449 for an instant $3 donation. Well, as you've heard throughout the morning, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has met with President Joe Biden at the White House. With the Prime Minister in Washington is TVNZ's correspondent in North America. It's Anna Burns-Francis who joins me now. Kia ora, Anna. How are you? 
Very well, thank you. Um, finally, cooling off in some air conditioning because it is a scorcher here in Washington today. It's 34 degrees and it, the meeting went a little longer than anticipated. Uh, it went for an hour and a half and that extra half hour, we were all standing out in the hot, hot sun. Now that's an interesting extra, that extra half hour, but thanks for that, Anna, because some people are like, oh, you know, do, they, do we really matter? They'll probably just shake hands and they'll go, great, good on you, I love you Aussies, and then leave. Like, um, th- Is there significance in that extra half hour? Absolutely. You know, these one-to-one meetings, this face-to-face diplomacy is really important. And we haven't had one of these meetings in eight years. Of course, uh, the pandemic, a, a Trump administration wiped out the last four and a half, five years of that. Uh, So it's really important that the Prime Minister managed to get that face-to-face time. And of course, there was a lot to canvas, a wide range of pretty topical issues that actually involve New Zealand on the world stage and our relationship with the United States. So certainly, you know, BTS, the K-pop group there in uh, the White House this afternoon, I don't imagine that meeting will be going for an hour and a half. <laughs> Katrina, our, uh, our my, my producer here in the morning, she just raised her arms that she just absolutely loves that BTS were there. It was great that happened. So happening there, in, in, you were actually, did you go into the Oval Office? We did go into the you Oval did. Office. What? Yes, I've been into the Oval Office. Fantastic. I don't know that... I don't know that I've got a photo because you see so line up outside and it's in the sun yeah. and we picked the wrong side. The US media get the shade <laughs> and then they hustle you all and it's a race. It's like the starting line of a race with horses and you just go for it, get a spot and they are already sitting in there. The prime minister was, if you were looking at them on the left, yeah. uh, Joe Biden on the right, he delivers some remarks. She has an opportunity. And then of course, you want to ask a question of the president of the United States, right? But there's a really clever tactic that his press handlers have. Hmm. They start shouting at you to get out of the room and so he cannot hear the question that you are trying to ask ah. they just keep shouting get out get out get out time to go so yeah, well, thank you out three minutes later that was it <laughs> so tell me um what did you hear from because i know we'll hear from audio from the prime minister what did you hear from president biden today if anything well, look, what I think probably the best way to sum up his remarks is that he really values the relationship with New Zealand. And, you know, this is probably quite a change for an administration that has realised it did retreat from the world stage. It didn't place so much importance on globalisation. And now it needs to rebuild some of those relationships. And, of course, the emphasis in the beginning of the uh, Biden administration's term was to really develop those relationships with some common big allies that have fallen over. Now it's the chance for smaller nations like New Zealand, now that the pandemic is easing, that travel is opening up, that countries like New Zealand are open for business again and want to explore those face-to-face relationships, that we get a chance to share some of that space on the world stage with someone like the United States. And, you know, importantly, there are topics like Ukraine at the moment and our donations of aid and lethal aid uh, and assistance to Ukraine that help that relationship. Uh, with the United States. There's also, of course, that Indo-Pacific issue at the moment with China's really bold push into that region. The United States needs as many friends as it can. Now, it can't convince New Zealand to be all in on its side, but it can develop a relationship that makes us feel like, you know, we need to keep sharing information with them as well. And I know you've got to go, but you you were just left with this felt like a very positive meeting. Absolutely. it's You cannot buy this sort of publicity with the President of the United States. Now, I know that it's hard when their priorities seem to be a little all over the place, right? BTS on the same day as the Prime Minister of New Zealand. And I've got to tell you, some of the press pack were surprised by the fact the Prime Minister was coming out. They thought we were waiting for the K-pop group. I can assure you we were not. <laughs> but, you know, 
<laughs> not in that heat. I'm only going to wait for one person today, and it was the Prime Minister of New Zealand. I'm not a massive K-pop fan, perhaps. But, you know, this is the sort of relationship that you, you do end up waiting years to get. And for Jacinda Ardern to be able to pull off a meeting like this, I know it was a bit tricky with COVID protocols and having to wait it out a few days. It's been worth the wait for her in terms of publicity and face-to-face diplomacy. Yeah. Anna, thank you very much. Very generous with your time. We respect it greatly. Thank you so much. TVNZ's correspondent in North America, that's Anna Burns Francis, who just got to go uh, into the Oval Office in the White House. Oh, je- oh. One thing I always wonder about whenever I see a picture that is like, what does it smell like? Is it, you know, does it smell like the most beautiful room ever or does it smell like 120 years old and it's a little bit musty in there? But anyway, um, that's not an important question, so I didn't ask that to Anna. Didn't waste her time on that for you. So there we are, the Prime Minister's meeting also too, not just with Joe Biden, but also uh, with the uh, uh, Vice President to uh, Kamala Harris. Um, finally, here we go. A lot of feedback this morning. Jeff in Tequiti. Uh, oh, kia ora, Jeff. Good morning to you. Uh, I always set my alarm for Pam's few minutes on Wednesday mornings. Really enjoy her. Funny, clever and quick. Uh, there we go. Um, JK seems to be better at trying new things to help in this space. He comes across so positively, whereas MK seems to be forlorn one-trick pony and I don't see results. Harsh, I know. Yeah, uh, it did sound very harsh, uh, actually. I think, you know, they're, they're both trying. And I guess, you know, personality-wise comes across. Mike's been through a bit of a rough one. Um, so he is trying though but yeah I think it's great that they are all trying as well uh, Pip says I lead I lead a national approach to mental health in schools with a focus on curriculum and school wide mental health promotion was ahead of its game in 2002 uh, but the National Party scrapped it in 2009 and replaced it with a USA behaviour programme well done uh, John Korean which I think is your phone uh, autocorrecting John Kerwin uh, awesome stuff for our learners cheers Morning Report is next with Susie and Corin. If I'm still here, I think I'm still on there. Uh, we're on podcast and available all the time. Tell everybody. They love it. They just do. Uh, it's on, um, yeah, first up. You just search that there for your podcasts. So have yourselves a wonderful day. We'll be back in your ears. Ah, uh, Popo.